Welcome to Commercial Real Estate Investing from A to Z, the ultimate guide for real estate investors. I'm your host, Steph Boldrini. We cover everything you need to know from finding and analyzing properties to financing and managing your investments. Tune in every week for experts' insights and tips so you can make your commercial real estate dreams come true. And in today's episode, we are covering a live deal from beginning to end with our esteemed guest, Neil Bawa. We are reviewing a deal that he just sold today. <laughs> what happened? How did he look into that market? How did he raise the funds to buy in that market? And then coming to a close on the exit of the deal. We are going to be breaking this interview into two episodes. In the next episode, we'll be covering what is next and how he looks at future markets. This episode is one of those that is definitely worth a five-star review. If you haven't already, here we go. Neil, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a long time coming and we actually just decided to switch topics to a real-time deal. Uh, but first, yep. why don't you tell us a little bit about you for the five people that don't know who you are? Absolutely. I am a uh, technologist, you know, computer science degree, data science scientist by, by thought process. Um, and have had a successful tech career. I've had a successful tech exit, got into real estate uh, because my I live in Texafornia and had the big fat tech salary. So I was basically paying 50% of my income to the men and uh, got into real estate just for tax reasons and then found that it was a wonderful way to build wealth. I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. We have about 25,000 geeky, nerdy investors that follow us. And uh, we've used uh, $300 million of their money uh, to buy and build a billion dollars in assets. It is really amazing that you got to the big B, uh, so unicorn in startup <laughs> lingo. Um, <laughs> we were just chatting and you were just celebrating the fact that you, you sold a deal today and you returned a huge amount to the investors I thought it would be really cool to go over the entire process from uh -huh. why were you analyzing that deal? <clears throat> what made you want to buy it? Maybe if you want to talk about the negotiation process, uh, some people want to keep that secret, so that's not a problem. But and and then you know value add and when to sell, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Um. So the the name of the deal is Equinox at Night, which is a name that we gave it. I, it was called Weatherly Walk, I believe, when we bought it. So the property was sold today. So, you know, that this is end of December uh, 2023 and was purchased right about this time four years ago. So obviously, we wanted to buy it in time and close in time for the depreciation benefits in 2019. Um, so it was a the journey, I think, was one day short of four years. Uh, so the property was called Weatherly Walk. And the, I wasn't actually looking for a property in this particular marketplace. Uh, but back in 2019, I had started feeling that properties were getting too expensive inside city limits. And so Atlanta was one of the markets that I've talked about a lot. Um, maybe not so much anymore, uh, but um, back in those days, I, I felt like it was a terrific market to be putting a lot of money into. And so as 
I was talking about Atlanta. I started saying good things. And then as the years went on, 2017, 2018, I found that I was actually saying more negative things about Atlanta than positive things because inside of the of the city, I was starting to see pricing that was just unreasonable for the income level. So what was happening is mm. the pri- the incomes of the people living in, in Atlanta was going up 4% a year. And the property prices were going up 25, 20% a year. And when property prices go up that much, the new owner really needs to raise rent. So they're forcing rent, you know, forcing the rents higher because everyone's buying at these new prices. So all of these people are forcing the rents up. And for a while that works, Stephanie. But then what happens is that either you start seeing occupancy fall or even worse, you start seeing delinquency increase as you start forcing people into 40% of their income, 45% of their income going to rent, then almost 50% going to rent, then you're going to see a lot of delinquency. The first time their car breaks down, they can't pay rent. So I, you know, people started asking me in podcasts, right? What is the way around this? I mean, because clearly the problem that you're talking about in Atlanta is it's there in Dallas, it's there in, in Phoenix. And so my answer was, we need to be very careful, but we need to basically go outside of the metro, 20, 30, 35 minutes outside of the metro for more reasonable pricing. And Immediately, there were a lot of objections to this because people would be like, yeah, but, you know, we've been taught that you want to be inside of the circle. You want to be close to jobs. And now what you're telling us is, no, no, step away from the jobs, you know, get further away from the jobs and have basically go buy properties where someone has to commute to the jobs and might be a significant commute, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes. And it's like, this is not what you used to say, Neil. And my, my feedback to that was, I think I was right when I was saying it, but today what's happening is that people have two alternatives. Either they can stay where the jobs are and pay for that convenience, but even if they're willing to pay for that convenience, should we be doing them? Should we be doing that? Because we know that delinquencies are going to spike as you basically start pricing the properties beyond people's incomes. You're going to start seeing delinquency issues. You're gonna start seeing occupancy issues. And the alternative, which I consider to be a reasonable alternative, is let's go to markets that are 20 or 30 minutes away. So as you can imagine, Stephanie, people started asking me the question of, okay, what are such markets? Where should we go? Because a lot of these external markets are not as good as other external markets because, you know, there's peripheral towns around a ring around these big markets that some of them are just not places that you want to go to. There's no growth there at all. So I, you know, we are a data science team and we track, you know, lots of cities, over a thousand cities, 323 metros. We track them and, you know, publish data on them, which is why most of my investors are very nerdy, very geeky. Um, So, you know, they're, they're either like software programmers or they're doctors. I mean, and they like the fact that because, you know, I come from the software world, they, they Mm -hmm. connect with me. Right. Um, And so, um, so we started looking at our list of, you know, cities, and we started building lists of high quality peripheral cities around, uh, you know, major markets like Atlanta. So we started building lists around Atlanta, Phoenix, Dallas, uh, Austin, San Antonio, and uh, we started publishing those. And what is stunning to me today, four years later, and and this the list was published even more than four years later because the property was purchased four years later, ago, mm. 
which means the list had probably been out five years ago because, you know, you have to go look and it takes a while to close. And so five years ago, I had published two markets in Atlanta that I said, hey, these two markets are, are going to be interesting. The first market was a city called Fayetteville or Fayetteville. Some people mm, call it Fayetteville. Yeah. Some people yeah, call it Fayetteville, Atlanta, Georgia. So that market, I really liked it. I, I really felt like, okay, this is a terrific market. This is a market that is not just doing well now, but it's going to continue to do well. And also I look for nice markets, but I also look for an X factor. Well, there was a major television studio that was being expanded. I also will not go for things like, well, they're building a television studio or they want to build a television studio. I don't consider that to be an X factor because a lot of these things either get canceled or they get like, you know, they take like forever to get done. But this studio had already existed. It was already there and already had thousands of people working there, but they Mm -hmm. were expanding it and they weren't expanding it because of something that they were doing locally. The state of Georgia, their governor has started getting into a very public fight with the governor of California over, you know, building television series. And he basically started saying, in Georgia, we're going to do it better. As it turned out that they were right, they were able to steal a bunch of TV series away. And and so the studio was basically next to Fayetteville. So they were going through a very major expansion. They already had very big shows. These are all like, you know, blockbuster shows that, you know, you you would be aware of that that were being shot there. And and they were looking to add another 3,000 jobs. So I was like, I love this city as it is, but now there's 3,000 more jobs coming in. I think that the quality of the people living there, their income levels are going to go up faster than normal. And so I started looking at Fayetteville. The property, I think, was 184 units. And uh, I'll stop here, but that was sort of the the premise for buying a property, not in Atlanta, but outside of Atlanta, serving the bottom half and the airport. So that it, it serves the airport, which is the largest airport in America. So it has a massive number of people working there, but it's also a, it also serves the south, southern half of Atlanta. Incredible. And obviously, it's pretty clear that you have something that is not common out there, which is common sense, because of the fact of, you know, you're looking outside of the MSA, right? It's even if it's 20, 30 minutes. Personally, I don't think that's bad at all, because so many people commute, plus, they get a bigger home for the price, better price, people that have families, and etc, etc. So how do you go about convincing the investors, though, that may have been used to, like you were just saying, we were thought that we have to keep investing in MS, the MSA itself. That was the hard part. So this property, so many of our projects, you know, you would just send out an email and, and you know, you, all the shares would get taken. We knew that we were buying a better property. We knew that we were going to make a lot of money on it. But first we had to convince investors, you're not going to make any money if you can't close the property, right? Yeah. So what we did was we did a two-step approach. We first, before we put the property in contract, we were making offers and we had identified three cities, not two, that were around. So we we started holding webinars about like the true opportunity in Atlanta and another webinar about the true opportunity in Phoenix. And so mm-hmm. first I'll tell you about the true opportunity webinars. And this is something that every syndicator should do, by the way. And then I'll tell you about how that transitioned into you know, getting the property funded. So instead of telling everybody, 
Fayetteville is the greatest, you know, city in the Atlanta metro, which never works. It really never works. What we started to do is we started to rank some of these outside cities. So the cities that we picked, and we did a webinar, right? The opportunity in Atlanta, amazing nuggets, blah, 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 something like that. So we did a webinar, right? And the cities we picked were Mableton, Smyrna. So Smyrna is sort of on the north northwest side. And then we picked, um, of course, Fayetteville on the south side. And then what we did was we started comparing these cities and, and started talking about these different cities and why we felt that they were better than Atlanta itself, both for single family and multifamily. And even we even did single family comparisons. We always tell our database, if you want to buy single family homes, go do it, right? So mm-hmm. you'll, be, you'll be back talking to us into one or two years once you realize you've turned into a landlord you just wanted to be an investor. So it, we, we always tell people the single family experience is worth it. You learn a lot and you don't want to do it again. Right. Yep. So, so we went, so we would give them information about what is a single family home uh, for rental cost like in Fayetteville, in Smyrna, the last one, Mableton. These are all markets that are outside of Atlanta. They touch, they're touching the border of Atlanta uh, of the city, but they're all separate cities themselves. And so we went through that process. Then what we did was we we said, maybe that's not enough to convince people that we need to step out of cities. So we started, we did a series of them. So in with Phoenix, we looked at a city called Maricopa uh, yeah. and, and a couple of others that are basically outside of the Phoenix metro, but are still easily commutable. Avondale, Maricopa, these kinds of cities. Then we did one for Texas and we said for Dallas, there is a city called Denton on to the north of Dallas that we should be looking at. This is all 2018, 2019. Uh, there was also a city called McKinney. And both of them on, on the on the north side of Dallas, neither were part of the metro. Uh, and so we talked started talking about that. Then we said for Austin, you need to go to a city called San Marcos if you're going south, for Killeen if you're going north. So, you know, if you want to pick a really ex- inexpensive city, go to Killeen and you still get that that amazing benefit. And then we said for San Antonio, there's a city called New Braunfels. So what we did was we we did a series of webinars featuring metros throughout the United States that were hot and figuring out the alternative cities inside of those metros. And we did this over like a six month time frame. I'm very right. proud to say that today, all of these metros are very hot for investment. Like Smyrna people, I think every property in Smyrna has been bought by a syndicator. You know, Mableton is insanely hot. Wow. Um, you know, I have a property in Killeen that I've bought. I bought a property in New Braunfels and people have gone out and bought these properties. Of course, Denton and McKinney have become superstar hubs and people have bought, you know, dozens and dozens of properties there. So the concept of doing this, of exiting the city and going one city over, two cities over, became extremely popular. And, you know, I don't know if we had anything to do with it for the general public, but for our own audience, they became convinced after watching multiple webinars of, you know, the Phoenix outskirts and the the Dallas, the Austin, the San Antonio, and of course Atlanta, the thesis they became comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And now, when we when now when we were ready to do a raise, and we were like, you know, remember that thesis that we had about Atlanta? Well, this is a jewel city. It's 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 going to do really really well, and here's all the benefits. And then it was easier, but I. I say the word easier relatively. It was still a hard raise. So I think it was seven and a half million, uh, maybe a little more. It was maybe eight million. And I think we bought the property for 23.2 million. The sale sale price was 39.6. So 23.2, wow. 39.6, whatever. You know, that's the delta. Um, Incredible. And and so 
bottom line was once people were convinced, they came in. We did close the property without having the entire raise done. Um, and so we had to continue pushing it. And so it was a heavy lift, so to speak. Our business plan there, you know, we, we tweaked and modified our bi- as business plan. As Bottom line was, it wasn't the business plan that was fundamentally different in this case. It was the first property where we started stepping out of metros. And since then, we've mm. step out, stepped out of metros about seven or eight times. Thank you so much for going over all of this. This is so incredibly helpful. So what I might take away is, our, uh, of course, show the data and show mm-hmm. the data multiple times over and over again until... Not just can... for your metro, right? Give people yeah. a choice. Right. Yeah. Give And give people a choice. Excellent. Mm-hmm. We will continue this interview next week and we will cover how does NEO look for the next market when a market is already saturated. And if you haven't already, I would really appreciate a review on our podcast, on the podcast app that you are listening to. And I will see you next time.